It's 9.30 Eastern time, the Anthony Richardson of time zones. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusToCanton.com. Chris Moxley, Matt Burning, Austin Ace, the whole gang is here tonight, and I'm Felix Sharp on a Swedish version of tonight's show, Chris Moxley. Michigan has its spring game. Chris Moxley has updated his QB rankings, but we start with the aforementioned Mr. Waldman, or I don't think I mentioned Mr. Waldman. Uh, the 2023 rookie scouting portfolio is available for $21.95 at mattwaldmanrsp.com. It's 1,163 pages of analysis, description of his process, and uh, in evaluating the 2023 rookie class. Um, we're going to keep this deal open for one more week. NIL yearly subscription at campstocan.com we will buy your copy of the rsp through saturday april 8th all right not running this anymore through saturday april 8th mr waldman joins us now uh matt we started this podcast in november of 2020 and for almost three years or during that time we've been telling our audience that they needed to invest heavily in this 2023 draft class, specifically in comparison to the 2022 class. 2023 picks over your 2022 picks if you're playing uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football. Have we been lying to our to our audience for the last three years? Does Austin have a bow tie on his Twitter <laughs> handle? <laughs> yes, he, does, he does. All right. Then it's like, does a bear go in the woods? Yeah, that definitely... Definitely, you were not lying. This is a terrific class, I think. It's strong, uh, at least at the top three at quarterback, if you ask me. The tight end class, while you're going to hear people nitpick or say certain guys are bad, um, really the way the tight end class works and how teams are going to probably assign value and use them in segmented ways, because there's very rarely any unicorn who does the all-around thing, there's... 10 to 12 guys that could wind up having value within the next three to five years. The receiver class, while has a lot of landmines to it, if you ask me, um, still there's probably six to eight guys that are going to be pretty darn good or at least have the prospects to be that way. And I think there's another eight guys behind those first eight who some of them could be better than the guys in my first tier. There's, there's just, there's just some issues with them, but this could, if it all works out, that could be the strongest receiver class and be a surprisingly strongest receiver class that we've had in a while. I'm not forecasting it will be, but that's the possibility. And the running back class, I mean, I think there's 12 running backs in this class that can be fantasy caliber players. Um, so if that isn't a strong running back class, then Austin don't wear a bow tie, so. My uh, my heart was beating a little bit because I thought you were saying yes that we we did lie to our audience since the beginning of this show. So, <laughs> Mox, what do you got for for Mr. Waldman? Yeah, I you know I've I've been following you for a while. I think a lot of us have. Started in two thousand three. RSP has been out since two thousand six, I believe. The biggest philosophical change that you've made to your process. What is it? What? Well, I mean, I think it's been gradual, but it's it's as I've focused on the process of watching film, I got better at understanding that data has value, but it's the context of the data that matters and that there are 
there are certain forms of data that can be more helpful than others. Um, and that film, and I guess a close second or tied with it is that the idea that film don't lie is a lie. Film, film certainly can tell the truth, but you've got to have the understanding of what it is you're watching to see its truth. Um, and then, so I'd say that those are the things that have changed the most other than like from a process standpoint, day to day, I've, I used to go from writing down every thing I saw before and during a play, even if it didn't look like it would matter, I would do that to learn about the game. And I used to write thousands of pages every year of notes that like I'd have crazies who bought the book and tell me that they would read all the notes. And I'd go, I would never read all the notes. That was just things just for things for me to, to look at. I mean, that was a mess. It was just really rote going, you know, being able to understand what coverages look like and talk about movement. It was a way of kind of repeating things back so that maybe something would click up here for me to learn it. And I don't do that anymore because by, I think around the Dak Prescott era, I started to realize that I was having, um, you know, returns that were starting to be diminishing returns because I could have spent more time watching games than taking notes. But the notes helped a lot. That kind of, that was my first 10,000 hours was taking notes. And that really helped me learn a lot more about football. And now it's the point of like, I do that every once in a while, um, just as an exercise, but it's no longer like every game that I watched. That's yeah, that's, that's, that's super cool. Just to, I like the 10,000 hours comparison, right? Like now you have this baseline and you're able to understand what you're looking at. So now maybe the notes aren't nearly as important as they were a decade ago. Yeah. They were like my binky. I had to let go of, to be honest with you in a way, <laughs> I think that Dak Prescott kind of symbolized the, the, okay, this is your safety blanket. Let's let this go. Cause it's not helping you anymore. You know, you're kind of looking ridiculous out there holding on to this thing. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on. Speaking of Dak Prescott, Matt, you've mentioned on a recent episode with Felix that you've really kind of enjoyed evaluating quarterbacks over the last couple of years. There's there's five of us currently on this call. Four of us, including yourself, were not in on Zach Wilson a couple of years ago, while one of us was. <laughs> On this call as well, uh, you have kind of talked. I, I read your thing, your stuff on Will Levis today, and I feel like he has some of the same issues you brought up with Zach Wilson and not really recognizing defenses, but poor ball placement. What are your thoughts on him overall? Do you think that he can improve? And from the fantasy side of things, where would you value him if he does go in the first round? Because it does seem like the community is very split on him, much like Zach Wilson. It's like either you love him or you hate him. Yeah, I think the short answer is that I hate him. Um, but the but the diplomatic answer is that if he gets somewhere where he has a strong offensive line, everything's in his favor. Strong line, excellent receivers, coaching staff that says, "Hey, if we put these training wheels on him and only and put him in situations where we can minimize what he doesn't do well and maximize the things that he could learn to do well." then we might have a guy who can become a starter because he's got the big arm, he does all the dropbacks, and he he we've he's had a, a pro NFL coach um, 
as a quarterback, former NFL quarterback coach, talk him up since before he even came to Kentucky. Um, you, you know, so maybe there's something there. But when I look at his game, uh, he's at least a beat to three beats late on delivering targets where that identification of the the of the throw that needs to be made and then the confidence to deliver it as soon as you identify it isn't there. The the fact that he did have a quarterback coach who has a long resume of series of one year jobs, which may not be a good thing. I may be, I feel like I'm kind of slandering Rich Scangarello um, lately um, and it may not have anything to do with him, but you know, the fact that he's had an NFL quarterback coach and he's still throwing in a way where the midline of his back foot should be facing the target of where the target's going to be um, when he delivers the ball. And he's not doing that. And then the front, the front toe of his front foot should be pointed that target too. So you can have that refined accuracy. That's not there either. So, and then the only time it is, is in the middle of his release where it like all clicks together at the last moment and the ball. And it's just like, I don't understand that. Like just mechanically it's awful. And so when you look at his game with the pocket presence, that's so, so at best you look at all I see is a guy who makes drops is, is big, has a big arm. And the odds are likely that if you don't have the confidence to make that, make those plays right away, that's hard thing to teach anybody. Alex Smith, who, you know, Gil Brandt, you know, I thought Gil Brandt when he talked about that pro day was going to like, need like a handy wipe to clean up the mess that he had from like what he was gushing about, you know, 20 years ago about Alex Smith, but to the end of the Alex Smith's career, as good as he got compared to where he was, he was still always like two to three beats late when he had to make call throws like this. And it limited him to being a guy who needed a strong offense around him. And he was one of the smartest guys on the whiteboard. You get one of the smartest, you know, it showed that in, there's different types of intelligence. And and I think that there, if a team falls for Will Levis in the first round, that's how I'm going to say it. If they fall for him in the first round, they're still in the old school way of thinking that processing can be, lear- can be learned um, as opposed to that it already needs to be fast before they draft the guy. And they're just valuing the robo quarterback pro- um you know, skills and traits or really physical skills and, and dimensions. So I, he will be, you know, I, I didn't like Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, I think got helped out by Brian Dable and he had a really good year last year compared to where he's been and good for him. And that's worked out. I thought he was, I didn't think he was a first round pick. I thought he was more of a third or fourth round pick. Um, And I would argue that it took time and he proved that you know, that it, he was not a guy that's going to carry a team for you without a lot of help. Will Levis to me, he's lower than I had Malik Willis last year, who I could not, I did not like at all. I think I had Willis ninth on my board um, below even Brock Purdy, I think. Um, So I, I I don't, I like Malik Willis more than I like, um, than I like Will Levis. And I don't think Malik Willis is a future starter um, of any note. I have a different question for you, but I want to follow up with this one real quick while we're on the subject. Will Levis, can he overcome, you know, I've always, he gets locked on receivers a little bit as well. With how hard he can throw the football, I know this kind of sounds stupid, 
can he overcome some of those issues just because he can kind of make some of those windows work for him a little later? Is that a plus for him or is that, you know, maybe not really going to be a factor long term? It's a great question. And I don't think it's a dumb question at all. I think that um, there are a lot of quarterbacks with high velocity who try to do that and it doesn't work. And I'll say this, if it didn't work for Matthew Stafford, it's not going to work for Will Levis. Um, and it and it doesn't always work for Matthew Stafford um, because what ends up happening is it's not even whether you can get the ball into the window. It's whether you gave your receiver a realistic opportunity to catch that ball that you squeezed in there so tight that he has no room for error. And then he either gets hit or he doesn't catch the ball cleanly. And now it's an interception or it's or he's hit and he's and he's got a hospital ball. So there's. There may be some plays like that where he can do it, but it's like this. A lot of times we get enamored with the player who can do the one in 100 type of play. And we're like, that's great. But the ones that you should make 99 out of 100 times, they can't make but like nine times out of 100 times. And that's why they don't stay in the game. Like Tom Brady couldn't make any of those Will Levis throws if it, to save his life. But if you ask him to like, Take the e- find the easiest solution and do it all day long to the point that the def- that defenses are like can't stop it and he always gets the right answer and then they take the wild risk because they have to and then he gets the easy big play that's far more damaging to a defense than the guy who does you know that's why I like Kyler Murray I give it I like I've been picking on Kyler Murray this year and he's a good quarterback but you know when you look at Kyler Murray and his pocket presence. The guy, you know, the first thing you see when Kyler Murray gets um, pressured isn't him taking a calm two steps, you know, or step side to side with his feet under his shoulders. The ball goes way out here. The head goes down, and he does some really dynamic move. And now he's basically forcing his receivers to reroute he outruns his protection, and now it's a matter of him having to stay alive for six to eight seconds on a play um, and force his receivers to to get back into it. And when he makes those plays, it makes Sports Center. But he good for you. Now you're only losing 38-23 instead of the fact that if you actually stayed in the pocket and made those other found the quick and easier solutions and only did the running like that when you absolutely had to, you might have been ahead by three instead of down by 16. So I I, I wanted to ask you, and I, I don't know if I've heard you talk about this before, what is a year in the life of the RSP and a year in the life of Matt Waldman look like? Like, when do you start seriously, like, I'm sure you just watch football. But when do you start, you know, seriously kind of forming your opinions on players? When do you start seriously digging into tape? When do you start writing? How does this, this, this RSP, this, this 1,163 pages all come together for you every single year? Sure. So let's start like right now, because right now is, you know, I'm getting a chance to do podcasts like yours, which is awesome to be able to do. I'll write the post draft during that time. I'm basically trying to relax as much as I can between doing podcasts and doing and doing just content like that. So I don't watch any football. And then around June, you know, I'm, I'm writing for football guys um, and I'll be doing, and I'm doing starting up projections for 
for um, you know the, the NFL game and for fantasy on that end. And I start watching tape. So I get a list of players, um, you know, whether I'm using Steele's, you know, Phil Steele's um, book or I look up Lindy's or I go to various websites or friends of mine who work in, in different aspects of, of the industry give me lists of players that they've that they're going to be doing bios on for people and they've done 600 bios already by like august and they go here's a spreadsheet of like you know 300 players that are being considered and i'll and that's nice of them to do and and i'll just start watching and i just i so i'll probably try to watch um you know one to two players a day during the summer watch one to three games per session with each of those players um and start start working on that where i watch watch the games i'm tracking information um you know i have a checklist that i watch the games with um and it's for each position everything's defined in writing um and then i'm literally grading those players writing down in the scouting report what it is that i see what it is that i haven't seen yet that i that i need to see what i'm what I saw maybe in an isolated situation that I need to see more of because I don't know if it was just an isolated play or it's something that's a pattern with the player's game. What was anything that stood out? Maybe I make some a video about something that I really liked and I save that and maybe put it out later, or I put it out right away because I've, you know, wanted to continue to make content and show people kind of the process of what I'm looking at. And I just do that throughout the summer. Um, then in the fall, when the NFL is playing, you know, one of the nice things that I get to do with football guys is a column called the top 10, where I, you know, study the tape of players, study as many games as I can in the NFL. And what's nice about that is I get to use that to inform how I look at the college game. Um, you know, I'm always trying to watch college players and project it to the NFL. So I'm looking at how tightly are these guys covered? What kind of techniques are they using? What techniques aren't working? And a lot of that is you're watching rookies and then you're watching them transition and then you're seeing one to two to three years down the line. The difference between like Stefan Diggs and Christian Watson, you know, or Jaden Reed this year coming up. And you can say, what's the difference between these two players? You know, they're built similarly to a degree. You know, maybe they can play multiple positions. What are the technique differences? You know, I'm writing that down. I'm keeping notes of that. I keep notes on a whiteboard of things that I go, okay, in the next couple of years, what are some things that I would like to change about my process? Because as I'm watching players in the college game throughout the spring, summer, and fall, um, and I have a budget of number that I try to get through, I'll have notes of things that I that I look at and go, I don't think this area is clearly defined for me for a wide receiver. Like I need to do more with how I um, talk about how they look at zone coverages. What are some things in my notes here that aren't complete with like my criteria? And then I start trying to write some things down based on books I read or videos I watch of wide receiver coaches talking about the game or people that I know and ask questions there. And then I start trying to figure out how can I clearly identify and define what it is that I need to study for. How much weight should it be? And I experiment with that behind the scenes while keeping the same process that I have in place for the book. And, and then I, maybe after a couple of years of experimenting with that, I will then decide that I'm ready to implement something new. Um, 
otherwise I just keep going through the year. And then by, you know, I, I try to watch players in like three installments. So there's like at least one to three games of each player that I'm going to study. I've, I've probably seen 80% of them by like November or December. And, but I maybe only have gone through one to three games. And then once once December hits and things start slowing down on the fantasy football front, then I'm kind of working overtime and trying to watch three players a day, um, three games a day with each player. Um, so I'm, I'm usually watching like three players, nine games and power and sometimes more and powering through from December through March. And then once March hits, you know, usually by January, I'm at a hundred players that I've, that I've watched, um, maybe 120, usually around there. I'm usually about 120 by mid January. Then from January through March, I'm, I've watched the remaining like 25, 30 that I got to, got to get done. And I'm watching the rest of these players. And then after I've done that, the combine happens. I, I take, I, you know, I track whatever data I can have with the combine, um, I, I note things that I want to rewatch based on, you know, Kyron Williams two years ago. Didn't think he was all that fast. You know, if he were, if he were to run a four, three, two 40, I would have gone back and said, what was I missing here from what I saw on tape? Does it confirm it or is it change anything? Or am I looking and going, he may run fast on, on a field, um, at the combine, but it's not showing up on it's not showing up in the games because this, you know, this linebacker shouldn't have had an angle on him, and that linebacker ran him down. And I'm looking up linebackers and seeing like, you know, oh yeah, this guy's not, you know, all that fast. You know, I try to look for things like that. So I'll 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 go back and watch those, and then from basically, by once March hits, I pretty much have my players ranked where in a general area area, and then. I go back and spot watch things and I'll sometimes I'll go back and watch an entire season because I've already charted and tracked everything. And then I just want to, I'm looking for certain things that I haven't seen yet. Like if there's something that just isn't noted and maybe because of the scheme that he's never going to run X type of route, you know, in that offense, but I may be looking for scenarios that I can at least see one or two instances of it to, to help me maybe finish up a grade. So I don't have to say, I didn't see this from him. So, but sometimes that's what I have to do. And then, um, you know, March, I'm writing the, the chapters. A lot of the chapters in the RSP, there's some things that I don't change much or I don't have to update anything, but just update based on each year and, and each bit of data that I have. And so it builds on itself. And then sometimes I have to rewrite like a, a chapter, you know, I'll have to rewrite a, a fair bit of it. But usually my scouting reports are mostly done. By that point, and it's just about finishing every the chapters, the editing, and finalizing the rankings. And uh, I send it off for people to edit. I have a team of seven people who edit, um, and they send and they do the best they can with. You know, I used to work in a magazine as an editor for for a decade, and you know, we'd have a sixty-page publication or sixty-four-page publication that would, you know, where I'm editing Pulitzer Prize-nominated you know, authors and we'd have a team of, you know, 10 people editing and we'd have like a whole month or two for a 60, 64 page magazine. You know, I'm putting out a 
900 to 1100 page book. So I tell them, look, just make sure that I spell Georgia right so that I can stay in my state. Make sure that the punctuation punctuation makes sense. Um, if there's anything stylistically that that just is confusing as all get out, work on that. Um, but you know, don't don't go, go, go don't go any finer than that. And if we miss some things, that's my fault because when you send them back, I then am reach you know going through all of that the final week of March to put it out, and that's my that that's my process. And then after that, I'm looking at everybody else and going. Oh, people love Dwayne McBride, you know, Dwayne McBride. I have him ranked 35th. Well, somebody's going to be wrong here. Probably going to be me, you know, um, or I have somebody who I don't know who I have ranked highly, you know, someone else I have ranked highly. And then I'll look and go, oh, nobody really liked him at all. Um, so that those are those are interesting points. And I'll see things on Twitter and stuff like that. But I tend to try ignore it i usually don't even know how to pronounce some of the players names um which felix knows well when we do our show um, yeah felix because... doesn't either and he watches it year uh, he, he's on this year round so <laughs> no no well, shame there no shame there but I, I just don't even i don't even listen to you know i have access to all 22 but even when i do watch games and i do record a lot of tape um to have safeguards in case my resources go dry um but I never turned the sound on anymore. So I used to listen because there were guys I really wanted to listen to and learn from, like Chris Spielman when he did college football. I thought Chris Spielman was actually one of the best sources for running back information that I could find because um, he had to face them all the time. And he was and he was so analytical about how running backs played the game. Um, I remember he was dead on about Michael Bush way back in the day. And D'Angelo Williams, he was dead on about too. And I learned so much from watching him. Um, one of my absolute favorite analysts. But like, there's guys like that occasionally I'll listen to. Um, but for the most most part, when it's college, I don't I don't hear anything. So you know, it took me like three shows to finally figure out his name was um, um, Schoonmaker, not Schoonmacher. You know, so um, that was you know, I've had, I have a good laugh about those things. There are very few in this space that are teaching the game of football like Matt Waldman is. You can go to mattwaldmanrsp.com, 2195 for the RSP, or get your NIL subscription yearly at campus2can.com and shoot me a DM of your proof of purchase. Um, Matt, what do his detractors not understand about Anthony Richardson? There's a difference between raw in the sense of not having certain experiences of seeing types of coverages and how to handle it and being raw in terms of not um, understanding the game and how to play the game in terms of how you actually manipulate defenders and how you integrate the skills that you do have. So when you look at Anthony Richardson You'll see him occasionally miss a cover two read and throw a pick six. You'll see him make some inaccurate throws, some that look awful, and people will say, you know, his accuracy is really bad. Um, and I look at those, and from when I watched them, what I saw was a player who um, maybe, you know, because he didn't start a lot, he didn't always see certain disguises, or he forgot that he was facing cover two, and he would try to make a quick adjustment that he shouldn't have. And to me, that was 
raw as an inexperienced and just hasn't hasn't been in those starting situations enough. And the reason I say that is because when you watch him in other situations that are far more difficult and harder to teach, and 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 no matter how much experience you get, you're still going to be Alex Smith at the end of the day in the way that we describe processing. Anthony Richardson does as well or better than anybody that I've seen at this level at this point, which is manipulating middle of the field defenders, manipulating flat defenders, being able to like look off one direction, manipulate the man to, to come to the middle of the field and then go back to the flat and to do it while under pressure and moving efficiently in the pocket and to be able to deliver the ball with placement where only the receiver is going to be able to make the catch with an oncoming defender or between defenders. And to me, that's like I've I've made the comparison to like learning a language and going over to a different country. And, you know, maybe you're going to get fooled by a vendor and they're going to rip you off or you wind up getting lost and get in the wrong neighborhood. And these are things that people will say, see, you don't really know the language and you're raw and you're inexperienced with doing this. But everyone will go through that. The difference with him is that he's the type of guy that even with, you know, a year's worth of language experience, He's able to speak the speed of a native speaker. He's able to understand the speed of a native speaker. He can understand emotion. He can communicate it back. And he may get taken here and there, but he's actually going to make more friends, more bonds, be able to talk his way in and out of situations faster. He may have some some embarrassing ones, but he's not the guy who says, yeah, I've done everything the right way, but I still have to go to Google Translator and ask them to slow down like five times the um, you know, five times slower to communicate what they are, even though I have my degree in a foreign language. You know, that's kind of, for me, where quarterbacking is with him. He's a guy that has some, he's going to have more mistakes. He's going to come in. He's going to look bad. People are going to say he looks God awful at times. And then within a couple of years, people are going to be arguing about why he always was an MVP caliber quarterback. Um, and I think he's going to wind up an MVP caliber quarterback in this in this class. And it's going to be because of his decisions, integrating all those skills, moving in the pocket, making people, you know, manipulating defenders and being able to place the ball where he needs to. And he's going to look a lot more like what Ben Roethlisberger would have looked like if he were a high end athlete who could break tackles and run and zigzag across a field 80 yards. And, you know, and that's like just icing. The cake is what I've been talking about for the past five minutes. All right, Matt, a lot of our audience play in campus to can or Debbie league. So a lot of these players that we're discussing in the RSP are roster already. I'm going to throw some names to you and you have three choices. You can either be moving to acquire them, trading them away or holding. Okay. Acquiring, trading away or holding tank Bigsby. I'm I'm holding. You want me to explain why or not? Yeah, no, I'll just explain, explain. why. Um, I'm holding because I think at his, while I'm not in love with him, I think that he will be drafted early enough to get an opportunity to be a contributor in a committee. Um, and he's a player I'm much lower on than a lot of people. Um, so... Opportunity works with running backs. I mean, I don't think Elijah Mitchell was a very astute runner conceptually. 
but he landed in the one of the best possible situations where the coach says, look, you're just a video game pixel to me anyway. Just go there. Go that way. And don't do anything. Don't do anything that you running backs do to like manipulate defenders because we're going to take care of all that for you. Just don't think me. Just give it the gas off tackle right here. And he's he would do fine in that way. I think Tank Bigsby, if he can get in a situation like that, well, I think he's a smarter runner than Eli Mitchell ever was. Um, I have concerns about his change of direction to be able to maintain balance. I have concerns about him getting impatient and trying to bounce plays that he shouldn't. Um, you know, I don't think he uses his power quite as well as people make it out to be. Um, but he's a solid contributor um, for, a, for a roster. And in the NFL and in campus Canton leagues, you're going to have a deep enough roster that hold on to him if you, if you got him. Uh, this player was a wide receiver one on the college side of your campus to Canton leagues last year. He was very impressive at the senior bowl. What are you doing? Acquiring, trading away, or holding Nathaniel Tank Dell? I would probably, I would probably um, hold him as well. And and I know that's a safe safe bet type of situation. Don't necessarily want to acquire him. I should have gave you two answers. I should have gave you two two choices. That's all right. I'll say this: if a gun to my head and I had him right now, I would try and trade him because I would feel like I would be reaping good value for a guy who's a clap attack catcher who, um, you know, who is an, an unbelievably good big play guy. But I'm un- wondering if offenses are going to go towards using more tight ends um, in the slot as more move tight ends, that second tight end for the running game, rather than using a slot guy. And I'm not sure if Tank's going to be an outside guy wholly on his own right away. Guys getting a lot of buzz. Tulane running back uh, Tajay Spears. I'd get him. I'd 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 acquire him. Um, I love his game. Um, I think he. I think if you can't get Bijan Robinson and and Jameer Gibbs, um, you're not going to be upset if you get Tajay Tajay Spears. Um, I I think that he's the one of the most elusive runners in the open field in this class at any position that carries the football. Um, I think he's a better receiver than people realize. Um, he's not extremely powerful, but he's enough that I think he can turn into a lead back in the NFL and be one of the more dynamic running backs that we've seen in the past five to seven years. One more before we get you out of here. North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs. I'd sell. I know people love him. I may be wrong about this, but I think he's – I think he's – Jamison Crowder. And I know a lot of people are like, no, that can't, you know, but I, I see more of a Jamison Crowder type of player, which a lot of people were excited about him too. I remember back in the day, Mike Mayock was like, oh, he's, he's going to be more than just a slot receiver. He can be a downfield threat. And maybe Josh Downs could do that. Maybe he'll wind up being that way. Um, but I didn't see him in the way that I saw Zach Flowers, Zay Flowers, you know, to me, Zay Flowers, you know, Zay Flowers is a slot receiver who can play outside. I'm not sure I feel the same way about Josh Downs. You can get the RSP at MattWaldmanRSP.com. You can also follow him at the same name on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate him being on tonight and him supporting uh, this format and our growth in general. So, Matt, we appreciate you coming on. Um, 
Thank you, man. We wish you a good RSP season. Fellas, I appreciate it, and good luck with the rest of your night. And thanks again, and I can't wait to get started on my first C2C league. Thanks, Matt. All right, all right. All right. Thanks, fellas. Um, there are very few in this space whose uh, ego has not gotten to them, and Matt Waldman is one of the humblest guys that you can ever interact with. He really is. Um, so, you know, so, and for some reason he's decided to support what it is that we're doing here at campus to Canton. So support him, go ahead and pick up the RSP 2195 at Matt Waldman, RSP.com. Uh, also just check the description of the episode. That's what I was trying to, to say the description it's in the description link, right to his RSP. Just go right in there. Click. We've already, I already see people in the comments. Uh, jumping in there and doing that. And it will be in the podcast link as well. If you guys are listening to this on the podcast, uh, the link for straight to his RSP will be in the link. Or in the and if you are taking to, advantage, oh, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say, just to emphasize that NIL deal, you get his RSP, we'll buy it for you, and then you get all of our stuff too. So, yeah. um, you know, best of both worlds. Uh, if you're looking but to make sure help to everybody Felix. in the space. DM Felix, don't just do it. DM me. And DM yeah. Felix. DM me. Yes. You get all of our rankings. You get the C200 rankings. You get, I, I don't know, I, I, the last time I counted, we were over 800 college players ranked. Um, you get all of the tools, all of these charts Gosh. that you see people using online that Jarek has created. Those are Campus to Canton tools. You get all of that stuff. And there's, we're eventually going to have to create a video because there's, if you've been with us from the beginning, you kind of saw what the website looked like in year one. It's totally revamped. It's totally, it's totally supercharged. Uh, Matt, it's time for uh, it's time for housekeeping. Oh, I'm doing housekeeping. That was the worst. No, episode. you had oh, you had the sounder. Oh, I don't have it ready. You right got now. the software. You had the sounder. It. I don't have it ready. Oh my goodness! I was so look. And it's I'm, too long. I'm upset. Like everything around because here. housekeeping. I wanted to ask Matt a question. I was all excited about it, and now I'm all thrown off because I was trying to throw in, hey, go uh, ahead. I got here. personal so, grievances. Yeah, you know. Go ahead, Moxley. What's new? You got your it's, sounder. I've got it. I've okay. got it. Um, <laughs> we, really, we really do need your support. There's no one here. There's no one on this team that has a communications or journalism degree from Syracuse or Northwestern. Shannon Terry ain't calling us. All right, so if Campus to Canton is going to grow, it's going to be because of support like people like you. So like the videos, I mean, we're really, in the last couple of months, we've had Justice Haynes, Alan True, Matt Waldman. Who am I forgetting? I mean, we are really trying to produce the best content that we can in addition to discussion about players in college football, analysis, our takes, all of that stuff. Help us grow this format commenting on this video helps with the algorithm subscribing otherwise we're going to fail and matt has to get up at like 2 30 in the morning he's going to have to continue to do that for the rest of his life if you know we don't get support from people like you the good news is the good news is though is that we do have your support i i i mean this sincerely because when i think about it it's like Stephen A. Smith has a podcast. Everybody in the world has a podcast. I will never listen to Stephen A. Smith's podcast. The fact that you take time out of your day to listen to us, we don't um, take it for granted. We don't take it for granted because you could be anywhere listening uh, to anything, consuming any content. 
Make sure you check out the rest of the podcast on the Campus to Camp podcast feed. Chasing the Natty this week features uh, uh, Nicholas Ian Allen from CFB Winning Edge, who has, I mean, those guys are covering, I've, I forgot, I think they're covering like undercover players that you should be targeting in, for the, for college fantasy football, for your CFF side, for CFF purposes. So check out CTN. Back to Devi, uh, the inferior Devi podcast on this network. They're doing an NFL Devi Would You Rather that posted earlier today, uh, earlier on Wednesday. Me and Matt co-hosted Campus Life this week, uh, uh, and we talked about ADP and players that were out of whack with ADP, much to Austin's chagrin. And then last week, on the official Chris Hummer from 24-7 on the transfer portal's effect on recruiting, he sat down with Alfred, so make sure you check that out. All right. Let's get to spring practice updates. If you haven't been checking them out, you need to. I mean, this information is vital. If you've got a freshman draft coming up or if you're a college football fan and you want to understand what's going on with your team in the spring, you should be checking out Matt's, our Matt, Matt uh, Bruning, our Matt's spring practice reports. This is also why you need to be subscribed to the channel, turn on the notification bell. Matt, what is going on here recently in spring practices? Yeah, the I guess the updates I'll give today are mostly the Pac-12 and SEC. If you want to hear Big Ten, Big 12, I suggest go back and listen to Campus Life with me and Felix. We talked a lot about those, including the Arch and Quinn Ewer stuff. I don't really need to rehash all that here. Uh, the Pac-12, uh, you know, Stanford, we're, we're very intrigued what this offense is going to look like with, uh, um, is it Troy? I forgot what his name is coming up from the FCS taking over at really? Stanford now. Ari Potts, who seems to be running as the quarterback one, they are doing a very high-tempo offense, so that should be interesting. They seem to have indicated that E.J. Smith is going to be the guy, but he will be out all of spring, so take that for what you whatever you want. Casey Filkins, who filled in for him last year, is getting all the reps in practice. Cal, we've talked a lot about Sam Jackson, who got a lot of hype last year at TCU as the third-string quarterback, transfers over to Cal, and there's been a lot of talk about how he's going to be the guy there. A lot of people are excited for him. It actually seems like Fernando Mendoza has been the better quarterback through spring, including having the better spring scrimmage, has had less um, mistakes compared to Sam Jackson. Now, he did throw an interception, but then turned around and chased the defensive back down and actually knocked the ball loose. They did not get the fumble, but the coaches were praising him. Byron Cardwell and Jade Knott have pretty much been splitting all of the reps, both of those guys looking comfortable. We're going to save the big one for last because I'm sure we will have a discussion about that in, in the Pac-12. Georgia, Roderick Robinson is apparently that dude. He has been getting almost all of the reps with the, the Georgia running back room because of just how depleted those guys are due to injury. Uh, Lawson Lucky, I know, is a tight end that Austin was big on. He has apparently looked phenomenal in practice the past couple weeks, although it is expected Oscar Delp will take Christ. over. The day is expected Darnell Washington is going to, or sorry, that Delp is taking over the Darnell Washington role. Lucky has been the one who's been surprising in practice. Um, Ole Miss, it really seems like Jackson Dart is the starter. There is no quarterback battle here based on all the reports. Texas A&M, and this one is extremely confusing to me, and we'll, we'll end with UCLA. For some reason, the past couple practices, Mac Johnson has been running with the ones not Connor Wigman. I don't understand that. I assume this is just Jimbo being an idiot as usual. But I just wanted to throw that out there that Max Johnson has been getting all the reps with the ones as of late. 
And last but not least, speaking of quarterback battles, going over to UCLA where Twitter was set afire yesterday as we found out Ethan Garbers was taking the ones. And this was not, just to clarify, if you followed along on all the Twitter beefs through all of the Campus to Canton crew going back and forth on all these Twitter threads, this was not just a randomized thing of Ethan Garbers going one, Dante Moore two. Ethan Garbers literally got almost all of the first team reps. It was not a split. It was not Garbers got some, Dante got some who was three, Justin Martin, and then Colin Schley. No, Ethan Garbers got all of the reps with the ones outside they said of a handful. All the reports said Dante Moore looked the best, and all the reports said Colin Schley looked the worst. He had three interceptions. They said There was another report that said four. All the ones that I saw said three. So three interceptions, but should have been five. The other two got, the other two were dropped. Yeah, I see Chris Mox. The other two were dropped by the defensive backs. Justin Martin also did not look fairly impressive. Um, and they said Ethan Garbers really didn't look that well as well. But the one thing that was praised by Chip Kelly was on two reps in the end zone, Dante Moore misplaced a pass. Dante Moore did it, and he was visibly upset and pissed off, and Chip Kelly talked about how he loved him holding himself accountable. Nobody else came and said something to him. It was Dante Moore pissed off about him not placing the ball well. Take that for however you want. It's one practice. Nobody here is saying that Dante Moore is going to be the starter. But, man, this is gonna this has got to be a little bit of a kick in the nuts to the Colin Schley crowd right now based on what's happened through week one. How many turnovers did he have? Wait, Sorry. let's not say week one. It was practice oh. number one. Let's let's just he's got, held ourselves he's accountable. He's got more interceptions than practices through one day, through one practice. So, um, if you're keeping track at home, listen. This is this is very. There's a lot of tension around this conversation. Just as much tension as there was with the Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields debate. Um, we're, we'll continue to keep track of it uh austin welcome back by the way thank you you told me i didn't have a choice well that is true that is true um glad to see you wanted to right. be here glad to see you wanted to be i'm just you know you, you i, I feel his... like this is a show where we're honest with our listeners and so i have to be honest felix said hey you should be here on wednesday i said okay and Even look at him bringing what, all the energy six weeks all the energy that he's bringing yeah, um, when was the last time you were on Austin? Uh, probably, probably uh, end of February, I think, is when I started my my non HR mandated sabbatical. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, that sounds about right. Two months. Let's get to Michigan's spring game here. Uh, Michigan did have its spring game this Saturday. Spring games are in full swing, pretty much from. Last Saturday through the end of the spring, you will be able to catch a spring game on television. J.J. McCarthy, I think, looked bad. He missed a pass over the middle that was picked off. He also threw a pick in the red zone. He was trying to uh, get, uh, I mean, throwing a fade ball to Clemens. There was defensive pass interference, but there were still three people in the area. It was a, it was a like a third-year quarterback, five-star quarterback, should not be making that kind of throw. Um and I don't know if anybody else watched this game, but Benjamin Hall was the guy who kind of carried the load without the top three running backs, uh, including in the top freshman in Cole Cabana did not play in this one. So it was Benjamin Hall. I mean, if you look, this is why you need to have a subscription to campuscan.com. I can't believe this player that I've never heard of uh, already has data available. What? Yeah, what do you learn about Benjamin, Benjamin Hall? Big wide receiver oh, guy loved sorry. him for a long time. Yeah, we talked about him a lot. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, anyway, he's got uh, he's his his. His athleticism, his athleticism. I'm still making my way through the guide as I go through conference to conference. Thanks for reading. Most people, most people listening to this have not heard of Benjamin Hall, but you can go and look him up in the freshman guide. You can look up, look him, look him up on the athleticism and player comparison tool and see, you know, what his athletic outlook is. That's what I want to say. I mean, I don't. Bad. Big wide receiver guys love loves him. He is not an athlete. This dude is not. Uh, an athlete. So if you like athletes, eh, this one ain't for you. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that needs to be said about this spring game. Colston Loveland lined up outside and caught a pass. That was maybe he'll be attached in the line. Can I can I talk about Colston Loveland? Because I I moved to listen. Generally speaking, I am I think value conservation oriented. And so what I mean by that is I try to rank players that I think are going to maintain value year over year. Uh, it's why I, I generally speaking rank freshman quarterbacks highly because I don't think they're going to lose value versus players and in, in uh, like their counterparts, I think will who are three, four years down the line. I made an aggressive move today with Colson Loveland. Am I a little embarrassed? Possibly. I moved him up to my tight end three in C2C leagues. 6'5", 237, former wide receiver, moves really, really well for his position. Great guard for the catchability. I just think that this dude could be a really, really good tight end. I really, really do. He's a mismatch for linebackers and safeties. Like you need to get a corner on him if you want to line up against him. I just, I just, I really, really like his game. And, and for what it's worth, guys like Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave, Colston Loveland, t- tight ends are not prioritized. At least in the leagues that I'm in, um, you can take them in startups. Even if you have a 45 round startup, you can take them in round 30. Uh, if you have a freshman draft, you can take them after round, you know, 15. Usually some guys like this are available. Um, n- not these super athletic types like, you know, uh, Theo Johnson, Kyle Pitts. Those guys aren't going to be available. But some of these I mean, guys who are going to end- He is, in my opinion, a super athletic type, though. Like, I think he's a plus-plus athlete. Like, I don't think that he's – like, I, I think that he'll perform well at his position like the three-cone, for example. Like, I think that he's a – a plus elite plus or plus plus athlete, just a guy who's like really athletic as a converted wide receiver. Like that's what, that's what attracts me to him. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep him out of that box per se. Like I just, I don't know. I watched a lot of Colton Loveland today and now I'm, now I'm, I'm just all in. So, Mox, if I had to ask you to name a fantasy-relevant player at Michigan outside of Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum, you would say Colston Loveland? Yeah, oh, for sure. That that would be my number one target outside of, uh, of those two. Um, I mean, I'm not really in on J.J. McCarthy. Uh, the, the one concern that I have with Loveland is A.J. Barner, the Indiana tight end transferred in. And I like Barner too. I think he's a pretty good athlete, pretty good tight end. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure that he's quite as good as Loveland. And th- the thing with Loveland is he was outside the top 350. And I wonder how much of that 
was that he was just a dude Based from Idaho. Position. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. He was a wide receiver and he was from Idaho. Like, he had offers from five schools and like one of them was Michigan, the other one out was Alabama, and then like one was like Boise State, <laughs> and, like all these Mountain West schools. So I, I, I wonder if um, he just didn't get the eyes on him that he really needed to. And so I, I, I really, really liked what I saw. And he only had 16 catches last year, but he's a good player. And that, I mean, that's a lot for a tight end. Matt, Austin, after yeah. you take Colston Loveland and the two top running backs, is like the well dry at Michigan as far as fantasy relevance? Yeah, probably. I mean, my, my player that I picked for it was Cole Cabana, and that's just because I do think he's more lightning. Fresh, freshman yeah, running back. Freshman Cole running Cabana. back uh, than, than Benjamin Hall, and I do think that he can, because of how fast he is and, the, and how good of a receiver he is, I could see him transitioning into the NFL, probably never being like a guy you want to build your fantasy team around, but at least being a guy that will start for you possibly at times. I was going to mention earlier, I would not overrate what Benjamin Hall did this past weekend. When you're the only running back there and you still, I believe you only had like over 100 yards, like let's not blow this out of the water that Benjamin Hall is the next star. Calm down on that. And I also do think Mike Valerie has made a very good point as well on back Devi a couple episodes now in the past. It seems like these Michigan running backs continue to come in and just be very, very good. This might be more of a system thing than necessarily how talented some of these guys are. None of us really seem to think Blake Corum is this absolute star, but he sure as hell performed like it last year. So just take all of that into consideration when you're looking at these guys. But yeah, if I had to pick one, uh, since Moxley took Loveland, I, I would take Cole Cabana as being some kind of fantasy viable guy this year and in the NFL. Or not this year, and but I in forgot to- college. I forgot to mention, CJ Stokes didn't play in this game either. Yeah. So you got the top three running backs who did not play. And, you know, Benjamin Hall is probably somewhere in the RB4 or 5 uh, as far as the depth chart goes. Austin, you, I mean, I feel like this is a, this, there's not a lot of water in this well. Do you yeah, have thanks another for, name? Thanks that- for really leaving me the bottom here. So I, I actually, well, I'll pose a question instead of answering, because I don't think there is a real answer here. I think J.J. McCarthy could be an answer to this if his cost had ever reached a point where it was like it would be interesting for me to consider him. But J.J. McCarthy, you know, a five-star, borderline five-star, depending on what services you're looking at, went to IMG Academy for his senior year, so he got a lot of that hype uh, down in Florida, then then signed at Michigan and was supposed to kind of be their savior. And we're going to talk about Jaden Davis, and it looks like they just reprinted the articles that they printed when – when they announced J.J. McCarthy there for Jaden Davis, he was kind of a coin flip guy coming out of high school. Like, I, I, I he atrocious in, uh, out, uh, in structure. Like, he thrived off just kind of letting him do his thing once the play broke down. And the kind of, the question was, you know, will will Harbaugh and company kind of teach him to rein it in? I, we we don't know. I don't think we will know about J.J. McCarthy just because of the nature of the offense and, and what they want to do there at Michigan. But the market has never reacted in that way. Somebody in your league still values J.J. McCarthy as if he's a five-star uh, future first-round NFL draft pick. I, I, I've i never had him that way. I don't think he's a bum. If, if the market had him as like a 10th or 11th round guy in a startup, maybe I would consider that. You know, Maybe that's when I'm starting to take on some of that risk. It probably still would be a little rich just based on things. But, uh, but at current cost, he always goes in the first five or six rounds because somebody believes so uh, he would be an answer if the market was reacting correctly to him. But they, the, and that's what we talk about with Ty Simpson and some of these guys. Like the value will just stay 
because they're a five star who's at a big program. And that's what JJ McCarthy basically has going for him at this stage. Yeah, you're not you you're not getting I... a discount on, on McCarthy and you've never no. been able to get one, even though I mean has he shown close to enough to be taken in the top ten rounds of a Kim Skenton draft? I don't I mean, I don't think so. It's not like he's gonna score your points this year either or next year. Unless you're listening to Chris K who has those has him as a top twenty quarterback which I don't know what he's smoking with that one. But yeah, he's not going to get your points. I, I think I would like J.J. McCarthy if he were playing at a place like Kansas State where they tr- truly use the quarterback's dual threat ability. At Michigan, he's being asked to be a game manager when J.J. McCarthy is very, very athletic. I mean, if, if he were black, they would be talking about him potentially playing wide receiver at the next <laughs> at the next level. And it's just distracting. So... <laughs> Um, is he that let's, athletic? Let's, I think J.J. McCarthy is that athletic, I, to be honest with you. I think you could I don't know if he's converted to wide receiver athletic, but he's pretty athletic. He's, he's very athletic. Um, Michigan has signed or has gotten a commitment from Jaden Davis. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I got to take a look at him uh, after the, the commitment. He's North Carolina's Mr. Football, or he was uh, last year. Um, Former Miss North Carolina Mr. Football's Amarian Hampton, uh, Dylan Smothers, who's at, at Oklahoma now. Um, Michigan with JJ McCarthy kind of got a got away from its drop back passer vanilla roots, and it seems like they're getting back to that with Jaden Davis. He is very much, in my opinion, and I don't know if anybody else has. Matt, I think you've watched Austin. I yeah. don't know if you had, but. You know, he's good in the intermediate areas. He's going to be a game manager. I think if you're going to do anything deep with him, and actually they made this comment on uh, 24-7's profile of him, you will have to do it with with play action. I don't think that he's a player that's going to fit balls into tight windows. If you're going to throw to the opposite hash, you better roll him out to the to to that to that side. I mean, actually, I don't think that he can make throws to the opposite hash. You will have to roll him out to the hash if you want him to throw the ball outside of the numbers. Um, but one, I think he's a game manager type. Two, and I've seen since his commitment, he's tried to, or is he's allegedly trying to recruit players out of their commitments to Michigan. He's not somebody who's like talented enough. If I'm a wide receiver, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna forego my future and and go play at Michigan. You know, Dominic Royola is obviously that type of player where he could be. He could probably transcend Jim Harbaugh's conservative play calling. I don't think Jaden Davis is. I think if anything, this is the there's there are two five star quarterbacks in this class, Royola and Davis. To me, that signifies just how weak this quarterback class really is um, because I think I would have, I mean, I would have, I'd probably have six quarterbacks from the 2022 class over, over Jaden Davis. Um, Austin. I mean, what are your, this is a guy who is potentially going to be a first round pick in, in campus Canton leagues next year. I would, first of all, bad landing spot. I don't think he has the talent. He has a bad landing spot. And I don't think that he has the talent to overcome that bad landing spot. For people who either, you know, like us, don't think that highly of him or people that listen to us, you just received the biggest blessing that you're going to receive in this recruiting cycle 
with him going to Michigan because somebody is still going to take that player early and you no longer have to worry about being bitten in the butt, quite quite frankly. I think the big thing with Jaden Davis and where a lot of the hype comes from with him is that when he was an eighth and ninth grade player, he was very advanced for an eighth and ninth grade player. But Jaden Davis has not gotten that much better. And I think there are, as Felix mentioned, some physical limitations. I, we don't have the, the arm velocity numbers yet, but I have written down, not blown away by velocity shown on tape, but shows good touch on things like back shoulder throws. Um, I, I just don't know that the physical makeup is there. I don't know that he's going to develop enough at Michigan to learn those things. And I, like he's not really a runner. I think people are going to look at him because he's a black quarterback and assume he can run. He really can't. He takes a lot of unnecessary hits because he's not particularly mobile. I just, 10 years ago, he could have possibly been an intriguing prospect, but I think we're asking quarterbacks to do so much more now. And really coming out of high school, if you're that good, you should already be doing a lot of these things coming out of high school. And I just don't see a lot of these things with him. I have a, 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 when we tear up and we give our, our, our rankings, everything above a 0.8 is like a five-star equivalent for us, essentially. Like, that's a really good grade. Everything above a 0.7 is like a four-star. I have him as like essentially a very low four-star graded. I, I, I don't see immense upside with this kid. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I mean, I did the the recruiting video on him. For me, what I said on there was like him working in the middle of the field is where he excels. Like he is very, I think he shows really good touch. And I actually do think he's good rolling out. But yeah, the arm strength is not there at all. It's actually why I think it's a great landing spot for him personally, because I do think he's going to work very well in that Jim Harbaugh offense. I think they're going to ask him to be conservative and do the things that Harbaugh wants. I don't think they want him to challenge down the field. We see almost at times Harbaugh have a heart attack when McCarthy does that now, and McCarthy has a much better arm. I think they want a guy like Jaden Davis because that's how the offense will run. So I think it's a great landing spot for him. I agree with Felix, and and for those of you who don't know, we my, I think Mike tweeted it out, but I don't know. I know for sure he posted in our company Slack about the – the 247 thing about him trying to recruit guys in and they tagged Jeremiah Smith in it, the one of the higher rated wide receivers in the class going to Ohio State and he went hell no. So I, I think that, you know, that kind of shows some of what Felix was talking about on those guys are not necessarily going to follow him there. No. But uh yeah, I mean I'm right there with Austin, I think, and I mentioned in the video, I think I had him great. I tried to be polite about it because I I don't want to like ever talk bad about these guys on these videos. I I had I said I believe I had him at like a 72 something rating, which would have made him like my QB eight in this class. I had Sam Levitt, Novus had Aiden Childs, all guys like him, all the guys like that over Jaden Davis. I just, I think he's gonna be a very safe quarterback for for Michigan, which is not a bad thing for what they want. Like I like I said, I think he fits what Michigan and Jim Harbaugh want in a major way. Let's flame Michigan a little bit more here. RJ Young tweeted earlier today, over the past two years, Michigan won, beat Ohio State twice, won the Big Ten title twice, made the CF, uh, the college football playoff twice, put together a 25-3 and three, a twenty-five and three record, but didn't sign a top 100 recruit in the 2023 cycle, has seen just three five-star commitments in four cycles, including this one. Um, they're not recruiting well, and as far as I've I've heard, that the only like other team that was really hot on Jaden Davis was uh, was Cle- was Clemson. So take the, uh, like another questionable falling star type 
type program. Uh, I still have a lot of questions about Michigan's recruiting, even after the success that they've had on the field. And Jaden Davis is not helping resolve any of those questions for me. All right. Um, let's move on here to Chris Moxley. All right. You can check out all of our rankings at campus Chris has recently gotten around to updating his, uh, his quarterback rankings. Mox, who is the player that moved the most in, in either direction up or down? So I have, I have a handful and I'll, I'll go through the, the quick ones first. Uh, Brennan Armstrong is my quarterback 53. We have him on average quarterback 36 and MJ Morris is my quarterback 43 and is on average our quarterback 64. That is me saying I think MJ Morris is probably going to start over Brandon Armstrong. And I think that he is a better player than Brandon Armstrong is. So I, I disagree with our ranking there. I have DJU at quarterback 72. Uh, our average rank currently is quarterback 45. Uh, I, I just I just think that's egregious. I just don't think you can have him any higher than like 70 at this point. Like I I was being polite, I felt, when I ranked him quarterback 72. And I, that was just based on his recruiting profile and the fact that I like that Oregon State offense. Um, and so I'm when I say average rank, I'm excluding my rank from everyone else's. So if I was not included, this is where this player would rank. The biggest difference, though, is quarterback Michael Pratt out of Tulane. Our average rank, excluding me, is quarterback 42. Uh, Our college fantasy team actually ranks him quarterback 16. So here's his profile, and here's why why I like him. A 6'3", 225 quarterback. He actually came into the program at 6'3", 180, so he's gained 35, 40 pounds. Um, He's measured in at the best weight starting this year. He is a confirmed 4-6-40 time, which is 90th percentile based on his uh, 90th percentile speed score based on his size. He's a 33-inch vert as a high school junior. So let's put that in perspective real quick. Will Levis had a 34-inch vert at the Combine. I, I think vert matters a little bit when we talk about power and explosiveness, uh, a little bit towards acceleration and kind of like how, how good you are going from like 0 to 60. What is the context for for Michael Pratt's production? Because he was he was frankly bad last year, right? We he had a different. He has had this is this is this stat got me. I just I looked it up and validated it multiple times. He has had a different offense coordinator for the last seven years, including high school and college. Every single year, it has been somebody different. Nagel, who called plays last year for Tulane, will call plays this year as well. He runs a very pro style offense. Lots of play action, um, some RPO concepts, and these level concepts, which I actually think really interesting, which is he goes from low, mid to high in terms of processing the field. So looking at different uh, variations of, uh, of routes and, and where his players are, are essentially running those routes and, and processing all of that. So he, he, I think, is a really good processor. So he improved his QBR by 25 points in 2022. 
I thought hey, I thought the twenty twenty one season or the twenty twenty two season was so much better than that two and ten uh, two lane program of twenty twenty one. EPA again doubled, just like it was just an incredible improvement on his side. I really, really like Michael Pratt. I don't think Michael Pratt is any worse than Will Levis. Straight up, I'll say it right now. I think that he could be a better player than Will Levis. I think he processes better than Will Levis. Uh, I think he has just as good or better athleticism than Will Levis. So, yeah, I have him quarterback 16, and he's our average rank 42. So, I I really, really like him. I mean, I think we've talked about um, Michael Pratt a lot on this show. We talked about him in his freshman season, so our audience should be familiar with him. But he legitimately has one of the strongest arms in college in college football he does Absolutely. he's a reckless he's a reckless player he will take a lot of hits but he's he's reckless in the in the gamer sense he's got that dog like he's in got, him though he's got well that's what, re- an, that, that's that's what reckless him, means he's got a dog in him he he will die for first downs he will take hits um so yeah he's a a, a player that we've been tracking for a while um all right who who else uh who else has moved for you mocks in your rankings and by the way i should say, specify are these campus to can or cff rankings no these are these are camp scan rankings um i i have tried to be as impartial as i can i move so i i am way more willing to give the benefit of the doubt to players who have not stepped on the field than those who have just stepped on and been trash so another guy that i really like uh, Talon Green, Talon Green from Boise State, uh, a player that I have ranked pretty highly just based on physical tools, right? I think physical tools matter a lot. We're looking at guys like Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, who, you know, I think Michael Price better than. I, I would just rather bet on that than, than just trying to like thread the needle with these like Sam Hartman types who I think are good, but I don't know what their production is going to be. So I really like gravitating towards those types of players a lot more so than I do. Um, you know, I, I, I think those players can be really good at the college level. And I would just rather just bet, bet based on like athletic upside than, than anything else. And so, Taylor Green was someone who really stuck out to me, and I, I moved him, I think, to quarterback 35, which is fairly high based on, like, where we all have him. All right. Um, I don't know if anybody got any problems with Mox's. I don't have any issue with Mox's rankings. Very reasonable person. I don't care what they say about you on TikTok, Chris Moxley. Very reasonable, uh, in my opinion. So, Can, uh, Am I allowed to address that in the after show? be my guess can i do so okay uh i think that is going to be our show for tonight make sure you check out the website uh, campus and check out the podcast feed that i mentioned earlier we are bringing this type of content to you daily if you like conversations that dive beyond just a program to player specific conversations where players are placing in spring battles, that sort of thing, then you should be checking out uh, this podcast feed every single day. But that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Curb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get them rescheduled soon. For Austin Nace, the energetic Austin Nace, Chris Moxley, and Matt Bruni, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.
I actually was not planning on doing the after show. I mean, we've gone a little bit long, and I actually have something something to do, to be honest with you. So you guys can stick around. That's I did the, want to talk about that, that date that you spent the entire campus, campus live texting about, just ignoring me, and that's what you have planned for tonight? I, uh, what was I going to say? You can I say yes or no the, to that question. I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about the women's national championship game and you know whether or not it represents a new era uh in the sport as far as following the sport but i have to <laughs> I have to go i have to go um but, but it is a legitimate question i mean i think that you know for college football there are just like moments that i remember that kind of just stayed with me and, and in a certain respect changed the sports the sport and I wonder if this is one because all like the, the important players in that game are coming back next year. They're they're going to be back next year. So um, anyway, I don't know. I'll let you guys. Is it all right? Can I go? No. Can you tell us what you're leaving for? Yeah. A date? Can't leave unless you tell us, Felix. <laughs> yeah, I actually do. Yes, that's that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. A date. That's right. Yeah. No one starts a date on a Wednesday at ten forty-five. This ain't. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to watch a show with somebody. That's what I'm going to do. So. Netflix and chill, baby. (sighs) Peace. You guys are going to end this in stream in two minutes.